You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Today, the Bible reading is from Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 7. So if you would like to uh, open up your Bibles and follow along. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that by, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, hello. If you haven't met me before, my name is Coy. I'm the associate pastor here. It's so good to see you all. It's a lovely Christmas Eve, a Sunday, and of course, Merry Christmas to you. It's that time again, you know, where scales are looking a bit heavier after all the big dinners that we're all having. Uh, daytime TV has a lot of these Christmas classics on. For some reason, they're all like in black and white. And then Mariah Carey is like stalking your every move at every shopping center. You just know it's that season. But perhaps what is here and what people love most about this season is for any age group is that it's a time for presents. You know, you get Christmas socks, you get Christmas socks, everybody gets Christmas socks time, right? It's the festive season and it's the time of gifts, a season of giving and receiving things from pairs of socks to, you know, blocks of chocks from cards and books to tools to cook. There's no denying it's the season of gifts. And in fact, did you know that Australians use 150,000 kilometres of wrapping paper around Christmas each year? That is an impressive number. But even more... I wouldn't say impressive, but a bigger number is that we Australians spend around $11 billion a year on Christmas gifts every year, with 20 million of that actually being uh, mainly unwanted gifts, which I bet most is from, you know, Kris Kringles that we're all a part of, right? But this says a lot, doesn't it, you know, about our country, about our culture, and that around Christmas time, we find enjoyment in gifts, giving stuff and getting stuff. You know, I read an article about a lady uh, from the UK who loves Christmas and the enjoyment of gifts so much that she celebrates Christmas all year round. She eats turkey every week, listens to the Michael Bublé Christmas special deluxe edition album each and every day throughout the year, never takes her tree down, has presents under her tree all year round as well. And every now and then she'll unwrap one. Ah, oh, I got a nice gift. And then she'll wrap another gift and put it under there just so she can open it again later on in the year. In fact, there's a quote from her from the article which says, my friends and family think I'm insane and regularly tease me. They joke I have OCD, obsessive Christmas disorder. And that's the thing about Christmas, isn't it? It's such a festive season with, uh, with you know, a lot of joys but it's almost always associated with gifts. Like the classic image of Christmas is that Christmas tree with a star on top and just heaps of presents wrapped under the tree. And hearing those statistics, you know, I think we can agree that it's, it's quite excessively materialistic it has become. You know, so for a lot of people, it can definitely make it feel like that this season is only about that. But, you know, that's actually not too far from the truth. Because when you think about it, when it comes to Christmas, the reason behind it all actually is about gifts. 
but not the gifts that we might be thinking of, not the ones we wrap and put under a tree. But Christmas is about a gift from God who gave his very own son to the world. And so when it comes to Christmas, I I actually think we should embrace that this season is indeed about gifts. Gifts that aren't bought from stores or ordered from Amazon, but gifts which are so much better. And we see those gifts in the Bible reading and the Bible passage today, with the first gift being the gift of Jesus. See, I was talking recently to somebody who was in a Sunday school ministry and she mentioned how it was interesting that around Christmas she asked the preschoolers the question, what are you most excited about Christmas time? To which she got answers like, Santa, who will come and, and give me the gifts that I want? You know, or sitting on, I'm most excited, sitting on Santa's lap and, and, you know, telling him what I want for Christmas. Or, oh, there's an elf that visits us and leaves us treats. Or, you know, I get to leave Mrs. Claus some cookies and milk. These were the answers she got. Mind you, this is not our CK ministry here at Sydney Hill, Melbourne West. How our kids would never say such a thing, right, Michelle? Never. But it's not too surprising to hear these responses from like today, is it? Because as the years go on, the story of Jesus becomes more distant, doesn't it? To the world, but not just the kids, but to adults too. And so public holidays such as Christmas and even Easter are trying to be updated, you know, changed from its meaning into something more modern or, or relatable or universal. Uh, it's more often thought about maybe as a, a restful holiday that's really about family and friends or a public holiday that's about celebrating the year that's about to end. Or maybe it's a festive holiday that's just all about the presents. But the thing is, Christmas has and always will be about one thing, Jesus. He is, as you've likely heard before, you know, the reason for the season. And because we may be, be surrounded by all sorts of wonderful gifts, Christmas is a season where we remember the gift of Jesus. Jesus, who was born into this world as a baby, where, as the Bible says, angels glorified him, angel, uh, angels glorified him, shepherds praised him, wise men sought after him, kings feared him. Jesus is who Titus chapter 3 verse 4 describes, the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared. Titus is saying, Jesus is God in the flesh come down to earth, born as a baby in a manger. It's a story that perhaps you've heard countless times, but it shouldn't cease to amaze us because if it really is God who appeared, born in the stables, walked this earth, that is actually incredible. So I remember when I lived in Adelaide being at the checkout at a Woolies in uh, the CBD and no joke, in the checkout next to me, was none other than Hollywood actor Jeffrey Rush, right? He was apparently in town for a musical in Adelaide, and he's actually from Adelaide, fun fact. And here we were standing in the checkout line just in front of me, and I was starstruck, you know, I was squealing inside. I was too shy to say anything. There's two types of people with celebrities. The one that actually go up to them and like shake their hand or a photo, and the others that just stand back and just stare at them like something's, like they're an animal or something. That was me. I was just there screaming aside. I'm like, this is the Captain Barbosa from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise standing right in front of me. How cool is he? He's so cool. Look at him. He's ordering grapes. No, so he's buying grapes. He's buying eggs. He's buying bread. So cool. I couldn't believe, like, uh, I couldn't believe that a celebrity of such high status was being so normal, 
right in front of me that he'd come down so low to be with a commoner like me and then the checkout at a Woolies. Like I was like, I should like, Jeffrey, I love you. I should have said it. Now imagine how much more epic it is if the God of the universe, not just some mere mortal, but the God who created all things, who existed before time, who doesn't forget any creature, who can number the hairs on your head. This God, he appeared here. This makes the story of Christmas a truly epic one. That an almighty God out of his own goodness and loving kindness would come down here to be with his creation. A God who is described in the Bible as the King of kings and the the Lord of lords who sits on high in the highest places, who left his throne to come down here to be in our presence. That simply is so good. But what is it about his appearing that is so good? Why is it loving? Why is it kind that he would do such a thing? Was the words following verse 4 in our Bible reading say, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us. Out of his goodness and kindness, God, through Jesus, came into the world, was born in a manger so that he would save us. This is what Christmas is all about. A Saviour was born. God came down here to rescue us. And now you may be wondering, wait a second, if Jesus is here to save us, that means there has to be something to be saved from. You know, you think of Hollywood movies which love the age-old storyline of somebody needing to be rescued, you know, Superman, who saved the whole west coast of America from Lex Luthor. Star Wars, Luke saved countless planets, civilizations from Palpatine's death ray. Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs saved humans from consumerism. Come chat with me after if you're ready for that conversation. But you get it, you know, writers love the theme of saving. And it usually pits us, we usually pit something against something bad, right? Perhaps an enemy or something evil. And a hero is needed to come save, to come rescue. That good will overcome it. So when we think of being rescued or saved, from something, it's always related to something bad. Like you're never going to say to somebody, oh, thank you for saving me from having a good time. It makes no sense. And so for the goodness and loving kindness of God to appear, it meant that Jesus came here to save us from something bad. That in the good news of a saviour born unto us, there must also be bad news. In order to make sense of the good news, actually the best news of Christmas, we'll actually first need to accept the bad news. And unlike Hollywood movies, the bad news isn't like some bad guy's antagonist comes in and holds us hostage, like we're innocent victims in need of rescuing. But the bad news is what is said in Titus, just one verse before our passage, which says in chapter 3, verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaved to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So you don't have to know the Bible or be a Christian to know these words describe things which are bad, which aren't good. And these are things that we have all done or felt at some point in our lives. 
So we're not innocent bystanders in need of saving from a hero, from some big bad guy. But the bad news is that we actually needed saving from ourselves. What lies within, in here, our hearts. See, the greatest danger to all of us lives inside of us. And so the radical intervention of God himself, Jesus, was needed, was our only hope. Because what resides in us is what the Bible calls sin, disobedience, corruption, unrighteousness, all these things which separate us from a perfect, holy and righteous God who made us. Sin is the bad news of the Christmas story. And it's bad news that affects us all. You know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the gravity of the situation is that sin renders us unable to live how we were meant to live. That sin is the stain, the disease on us that will ultimately lead to death. See, Jesus in his goodness and loving kindness didn't come down here to be a good moral teacher. He didn't come down here to pastor the people by preaching up a storm. He didn't come down here to hang with people to see what it's like down here on earth. But as author and pastor Paul David Tripp writes, Jesus came on a radical mission of moral rescue. He came to rescue us because he knew that we couldn't rescue ourselves. He knew that sin separates us from God and leaves us guilty before him. That's the bad news. Actually, the worst news of the Christmas story, that we all needed rescuing, saving from the enemy's sin, which is in all of us. That even in the festive season, with the wonderful joys that we see all around us, because of sin, we are not okay. But, and that's a huge but, because we have heard the bad news, we can rejoice and believe in the best news, that because of the bad news of sin, the good news of Jesus coming here to save us becomes all the more glorious and all the more comforting, that a good God in his love and kindness came to rescue so that we would be freed of this enemy's sin. That is the gift of Jesus, something we celebrate this Christmas and every Christmas. But it's not the only gift we celebrate, but there's more. So when it comes to Christmas, I'm sure we've all heard the terms naughty and nice, haven't we? Where it's in this season, it's a common understanding that Santa uh, will come around to everybody's house to give presents. uh, But what he gives depends on whether you've been naughty or nice. Well, I remember reading this story online uh, from a parent whose son kept writing letters to Santa saying that they've been good this year. Uh, They've been nice. They've done chores. They're writing, I've done chores, Santa. I always listen to my parents. I've done all my homework this year. But when Christmas came around, the child hadn't received any gifts. And one morning, the parents walked downstairs and saw a letter. And attached to that letter was a plush toy reindeer with his legs cut off. And the letter was from their son saying, I've asked you many times, Santa, you better give me gifts or something worse will happen to this reindeer. (laughs) See, growing up in a Western country, this is a classic tradition of Christmas for many families. Not the reindeer being held hostage, but, you know, gifts, but Santa 
bringing gifts if you've been naughty or nice. Now, they're catchy lyrics from a song, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you are sleeping, creepy. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. So have you been good enough this year that you deserve those new shoes or new video game? Or do you deserve nothing because you've been on the, the naughty list? So it can be a fun and silly tradition in the spirit of Christmas. And I'm sure a lot of parents love this because it's great incentive for kids to kind of act pretty good around the end of the year, right? But when thinking about it deeper to the world, it makes perfect sense that you should earn, a, earn gifts when you're good. You know, you're being rewarded for it. While on the same token, also the other way around where you're not being rewarded if you don't deserve it, you know, when you've been bad. Like a person who works diligently and excels in a job deserves a promotion or deserves, uh, you know, extra pay compared to somebody who doesn't or a student who does well or a student does bad. They're rewarded or, or punished in different ways, right? It makes sense. It's what you get. It's what you earn. But here's the amazing thing about what the Titus passage says, our Bible reading, that the reality is we are all on the naughty list and actually none are on the nice and yet, as we've heard, Jesus came here to save us, save us from our sins, save us because we've all been bad. And he does so by the gift of grace. It says, he saved us in our Bible reading, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Jesus, in his goodness and loving kindness, appeared here to rescue us and it was done completely out of his mercy and grace which in other words is to receive something wonderful that wasn't deserved you know completely unmerited but according to his own mercy it says god gave us jesus to save us from sins as ephesians 4 verse 7 says but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift this grace is a gift that means Jesus, in his goodness and kindness, didn't come here to say, I'm here to rescue you, but have you been nice? He didn't come here and say, I'm here to rescue you, but have you earned my saving? Nor does Jesus come here and say, you've been on the naughty list all your life. You cannot earn my rescue. You're too bad and I can't save you. But what he says is out of nothing that you've done, I am here to rescue you. Because that's the thing. We cannot rescue ourselves. We can't just be good our whole lives. Can't just invite our, all our extended family, even the ones we don't like, to Christmas dinners every year to serve them as a way of us being good. Can't just give gifts to our distant child, even though we, don't, we barely talk to them all year, uh, just to be good. We can't just give our money to char charity instead of buying gifts to mark the box, to tick the box, to say that, yeah, we're good. This doesn't save us from sin. It is not because of the works done by us in righteousness. So no matter how hard you try to earn his salvation, no matter how great your moral code is in your life, no matter how good, much good you do or share in the world, None of it merits rescuing because for all the times that we write our names on the nice list, knowing ourselves and what resides in here, we'd have to put our names on the naughty list 10 times over. 
but God gives the gift of grace that he, out of his own mercy and kindness, gives his favour to the unworthy, us. He lavishes the undeserving with his love because even though we do not deserve it by any means, even though we rejected him, chose unrighteousness over righteousness, chose sin over holiness, chose bad over good, out of his grace, God gave us a saviour in Jesus who would free us from sin by becoming sin and paying the consequences that were meant for us. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God himself, Jesus, bore the punishment of our sins as he was crucified on a cross, paying the penalty of death, the only innocent man in history dying in place of the guilty. But in doing so, forgiving the guilty of our sins. This is all, this all a gift of his grace to those who believe. It's a gift to you. And what I love about the fact that this is a gift is that like any gift, it means nothing is owed in return. It doesn't require repayments. It's not like a loan. It's not after pay, you know, buy now, pay later. Can you imagine if this Christmas, if your friends or family gave you a present and actually after that said, hey, uh, once you've unwrapped it, uh, you can, you know, send the money into my account. You know, you, I'll be happy for you to do it weekly or monthly. Like you'd be shocked. That's not a gift. But this is a gift of grace, which means it is a free gift. That the well-known line, the best things in life are free, really do apply here. Because it means you don't have to earn your rescue. It's not netted by works not earned by being on the nice list, but given freely out of grace to you. As Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 sums up so well, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. See, the bad news of our sin cannot be counted by the good news of ourselves. But on Christmas, we're reminded of the gift of Jesus who gives us his gift of grace. That even though we can't save ourselves, we actually don't need to save ourselves because God, our Savior, appeared, saving us according to his own mercy. Christmas isn't here to remind you if you've been deserving, if you've been bad or good, but Christmas reminds us of a good God who is so filled with kindness and so filled with love that he would save us even when we didn't deserve it. This is his gift of grace to you. And like any good gift, all we have to do is receive it, which is to believe it and believe in the one who gives it. Because if you do indeed believe in this gift of Jesus and his grace, our Titus passage amazingly promises of another gift, the gift of change. See, I remember while living in Canada, I was invited to a family Christmas dinner as an orphan 
And it was really nice. You know, it was white Christmas with lovely snow, big turkey for dinner, a nice fireplace. It was like just one of those, those picture perfect movies, you know, that perfect uh, family Christmas, like a TV commercial, just sitting around the fireplace, lovely Christmas dinner. And then um, after dinner, we'd all gather around tree to uh, the tree to open up gifts. And I'll, as the orphan there, because I didn't have any family or anything there, it was so nice. They were so generous. They gave me a gift. But what was what made that night so memorable for me was that while they were opening up gifts, one of the kids opened up their gift from their auntie who was there. And the gift was a three-month gym membership. So everyone was awkwardly. It was like, wow. And I was sitting there like, Ugh. And the auntie says out aloud, you know, please, please use it. You need it. Thankfully, you know, the family had a laugh about it. Even the one that got the gift could laugh about it. But Asian aunties, man, they are ruthless, right? I'm sure she didn't mean anything by it. You know, she just cares for the person's health, you know. But even still, it's not a usual gift for Christmas. You know, you might make more enemies than friends giving that kind of gift. And yet the Bible tells us that getting something that helps us change is actually a great gift. But not the aesthetic change like bigger biceps or uh, stronger legs, but a change from within. Our Bible reading, it says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, what this verse is telling us here is that when we receive the gift of Jesus, if you believe in him and what he's done, receive the gift of his grace, you get another gift you get the Holy Spirit who helps you grow and helps you change. And this is affirmed by Jesus' very own words in John chapter 14, who went on his mission. He told his disciples that when he leaves, he will send them a helper who will, as Jesus says, be with you forever and he dwells with you and will be in you. See, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit who, as the Bible says, is God himself, God himself residing in you renewing you. And this is a pretty wild gift when you think about it, all right? Because I'm sure you've all received really unique gifts before around Christmas. Like I'm sure like my most unique gift I've ever received was a clock, a digital clock with a picture of mine and my wife Lena's face on it, but we're like lying awkwardly in a field of grass, right? And we keep it in our guest room so that when guests wake up, that's the first thing they see. You know, it's usually frightening them. But receiving a gift that is God himself to dwell with you, to dwell in you, that's on a whole nother level. And there's good reason that God would give this gift to those who believe. Because as I said earlier, all of us have missed the mark when it comes to God. You know, we've all disobeyed and not lived righteous lives. Sin resides in us. And yet to those who believe in what Jesus has done with sin, that he has paid its price, that he's forgiven us of our sin, God not only sets us free of sin, but he gives us a new life. Second Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are made new. As the Bible says, we are born again. You are born again. Not literally, but spiritually. No longer the same person as you were before Jesus. And so as a new creation, God gives us his spirit that he would change us from the inside out. Sin was like this fatal disease 
in our heart that was killing you. But by believing in Jesus, we're given like a free new heart transplant, like a new heart. And what the Holy Spirit who dwells in us continues to do is make us healthier from within. And by healthier, I mean that this gift of the Holy Spirit makes us more and more like the giver. So while working as a journalist for the Chicago Tribune newspaper, devout atheist Lee Strobel was assigned to report on the struggles of an impoverished inner city family uh, during the weeks leading up to Christmas. And he was mildly surprised seeing this family because of the attitude that they had in regards to faith. So he was a 60-year-old grandmother with her two granddaughters and they'd been living in a tiny two two-room apartment infested with cockroaches, no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen table and a handful of rice. And his words were, they were virtually devoid of possessions. And yet despite their poverty and painful arthritis that kept her from working, the grandma still talked confidently about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced that Jesus had not abandoned them, never sensed despair or self-pity at home. Instead, she had a gentle feeling of hope and peace because of Christ. And so Lee Strobel wrote this article about this family. And I've linked it in the online booklet, actually. You can actually find the article there. But he decided to pay them a visit again on Christmas Eve. And to his surprise, the family had been inundated with all sorts of gifts from generous people who had read Lee's article about them. But what blew him away was on his visit to see the grandmother and her granddaughters, when he got there, what he was seeing them do was they were actually getting ready to give away all their gifts. They were packing it, getting ready to gift it, to give away their newfound wealth. And so Lee asked her why, and the grandmother grandmother replied, our neighbours are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. We did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God, but it is not his greatest gift. No, we celebrate that tomorrow. That is Jesus. And Lee Strobel was astonished. And it was this event at Christmas for Lee that was one of the major biggest influences into him becoming a Christian himself and a Christian who has since gone on and written multiple books about his journey from a devout atheist to a follower of Christ. And he continues to do a great work for the kingdom as he travels the world sharing, travels the world sharing of the good news of Jesus. The grandma in that inner city dingy apartment had a life changed by Jesus that she wanted to live like him. So much so that it impacted Lee, who had his life changed by Jesus. So much so that he wanted to live like him. See, the gift of change is such a wonderful gift. Because it helps you see who God that God is really active in your life. These gifts that God gives don't just lie dormant not just received, celebrated and used on Christmas and never to be seen before, like some of the gifts you might receive, like a shirt that doesn't fit or a, a mug with a quote that you never use. But these gifts God gives are living and active. In receiving the gift of grace and he, receiving the gift of Jesus and his grace, God will and continue to do a good work in you 
in your lives. The heart is already made new while you are being made anew. See, what's so great about the gift of Jesus and in him saving us is that his saving us is not the result of righteous living, but righteous living is the result of being saved by Jesus. So God gives us his spirit to help us with that. Because when we receive the gift so good, like a, you imagine a child on Christmas, it becomes the only thing that you want to spend time with. It's the only thing you think about, interact with. It's the only thing we want. Like recently, my son, uh, he's gotten into drumming, my eldest son, and he saw Lena, my wife, buy drums for him from Kmart, but she couldn't hide it, so he saw it. But Lena wanted to go home and wrap it up as a gift, but he knew. So the whole 24 hours is like, can I open drums? Can I open drums? It's just like stuck in his mind. Yeah, we caved. We let him open it early, right? I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want him to say it all the time. (laughs) Because when we received a gift so good, like a child on Christmas, it becomes the only thing that we want, right? And you can imagine that. You can imagine that at some time in your life, can't you? Where you got that best Christmas gift ever, where it changed your life. Well, that's what Christmas is about, where we really did get the best gift we could possibly imagine, a gift that in immeasurable ways literally changes your life. And yet the crazy part is there's one more gift that this passage promises, the final one and perhaps the best one, and it's the gift of eternal life. In our passage, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, about a year ago, my wife, Lena, came across an awesome baby clothes sale. You know, it was from the brand Bonds. And so she bought the best gift a child could possibly ask for. It was an Adelaide Crows football uh, pyjama set, football club uh, pyjama set. Problem was it was um, size eight. That was the only size left, size eight, which means it's actually for eight-year-olds. But she bought it for my eldest son who was two at the time. So he's got like the greatest gift, but he can't fully enjoy it for another six years. See, the big story and message of the Bible is that God in his goodness made all things in creation, but as his creation, we decided that we didn't need God, so we fell. We fell away from him, sinning against him, leaving sin, death, and condemnation to rule our lives and fate. But even in our falling away, there was hope because of the goodness and grace of God, there would be redemption. That as we celebrate this season, we're reminded how God fulfilled his promises of sending his son Jesus to redeem us. See, that's the story of the Bible, the overarching story, but that isn't the end of the story. For while what God originally intended for his creatures, crippled by the fall, is now being restored, there will come a time where all things will be fully restored, completely where Jesus will return again and the fullness of God will be wonderfully present in God's people, where those in Jesus will spend an eternity with him in perfect harmony. 
you know, John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so like a child who receives a gift which can't yet fully be enjoyed, those who receive the gift of Jesus also receive the gift of eternal life. But as we see around us, it's not here yet. Not yet fully realised just yet. And so we wait eagerly and in great anticipation that the best gift that we could receive gets even better. Isn't that amazing? It gets better. So this Christmas, as you take a look around and see the endless amounts of presents around your trees or family dinners or all the presents around your kids' playrooms, embrace in the fact that Christmas really is about gifts, the gift of a saviour born unto us who by his grace gave us life so that we can have life. There is no better gift in the world than Jesus. See, 12-year-old Ivana from Honduras, who was raised in near poverty and struggling in a difficult home, one day attended an event which was handing out shoeboxes. And she was elated when she got a shoebox because what she saw inside the shoebox was gifts of all sorts, toys, shoes, hair ties, things that she'd never really had in her entire life. But she recounts, that the greatest gift she found inside that shoebox was a letter. And the letter was from a girl named Sarah who packed the shoebox with the organisation Operation Christmas Child. And the letter simply said, Jesus loves you. That very day, she received the best gift that she could possibly ever know. She received the Saviour. And to this day, she actively serves in the church there and is a bold witness of the good news of this Jesus to others who are yet to receive this gift. See, they say that the best things in life are free. The story of the Bible is Jesus essentially telling us that the best thing in life is me. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for being the greatest gift that we could know, that out of your grace, you saved us from the depths of darkness and you bring us into your marvellous light. We thank you for being with us and giving us your spirit, that you would do a continuing work in us all the way until you return again. And we pray that this Christmas, as we look around us and we see and enjoy the many gifts that we give and receive, let us see the free gift that you've given us in a saviour, a gift that will never fade, but a gift that lasts for eternity. May we hold fast onto that gift and love it with our whole hearts, love him with our whole hearts, for you have shown your great love to us first. We thank you for Jesus and pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.